Now I want you to declare, all right, so as to use it to overcome every distraction. Declaration means you, you talk loud, you talk with confidence. Are we ready for that? All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of it, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 If you believe it, give me another amen. amen. Now I say to you that God will answer that declaration today with power in Jesus' name. His word will enter your heart. It will give you light. It will give you direction. It will heal in every area. It will make you more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You will bear fruit in every good work. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you greet somebody on your left or your right? Can you just tell the person, God bless you. Welcome to wisdom. Welcome to wisdom. Okay, let's continue learning the word of God. And we have been looking at the perfection of the vessel of the Lord. Again, let's go back to that book of John chapter 15. We'll just read that in a hurry. It's been our main text since we began this, talking about perfecting the Lord's vessels. He said, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it can bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, he says, and you are the branches. That is what I'm telling you about, is you are the branches in it, and I am the vine. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. What he needs to do to bear fruit is to abide, not to try to bear fruit, just to abide. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are bond. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let me just stop reading here. Also, let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Um, what we want to read there is a story, well, the principle of judgment. Revelation chapter 20. Now, we are going to read from verse um, 11, talking about the principle of judgment. So then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, 
according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Now let me just stop reading down on them. Now let's just continue where we stopped. Last time I began to explain the principle of predestination and what actually I was trying to focus on, which is in line with what I've been talking about, is about this pruning, about how we get into divine destiny. Now, of course, we must understand, like I said last time, that this is what is called the command will of God. What that means is that there are things that God wants to happen in our lives. He has uttered the commandment, but we have a responsibility to make sure those things happen. They don't just happen like he said, let the stars be like this, and they were like that. Let the heavens, you know, let the firmament appear, let dry land appear, let the waters gather to one side. It doesn't happen that way in everything. When he speaks concerning your destiny, and he speaks concerning my destiny, we have a part to play. We make up our minds how much of that destiny is going to come to pass. Now, last time we read from that Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. We looked at it again, that the sower goes forth to sow, and the seed is the word of God. That parable was teaching us about the different kinds of souls. The human beings in that context, the souls represented different kinds of people. If you hear the word and it does not benefit you in any way, it's like, that's like the one that fell by the wayside and the fellow does not understand. But that's not our story. Our story, I've been saying it again and again, this time around, is on those that are bearing fruit. Those that have given their lives to Christ. Those that are committed Christians, are the one we are talking about. Now those ones, he said, there, amongst them there is 30-fold, there is 60-fold, and there is a 100-fold. What is the 100-fold? The 100-fold is a maximum um, potential attainable by anybody. What is the hundredfold? The hundredfold is that which God proposed that each individual's life will fulfill. What is the hundredfold? The hundredfold is for you to fulfill everything that God wrote concerning you. Nothing left undone, nothing missing. What's the hundredfold? For you to say like Paul, I have finished my course. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That the only thing that now remains for me is that crown of glory. That is the hundredfold. A hundredfold is that in which if they gave you one extra year in life, there is nothing else you are going to add to it. That is everything that God wrote has been fulfilled. Please bear it in mind. I think we should read it again. I think, did we read it? Which did you read it? Was it on, on, on Tuesday? Psalm 139. Yes, on Tuesday. You know, for time's sake, let's not open to it. Okay, but you just know where it is. He said, the days that were ordained for me, before there was yet any one of them, they were written in your books. That is, God has prepared something. What we explained last time, because people get confused on the concept of predestination. Are you saying that whatever God has prepared, whatever God has ordained must come to pass? And I'm saying to us again, no. That's not what it means. In each individual life, is not like that. On the general platform, that is when you look at the overall picture, eventually it will happen. Are you getting my point? If God called Abraham because he had made a promise from the beginning that the Messiah will come, that the Redeemer of mankind will come, he starts arranging a plan. And in the midst of that plan, he picks a man like Abraham and says to him, leave your father's house. He, speaks, he speaks, says to him, leave your father's you know, family. Leave where you are and come to a new land that I'm going to show you. Abraham could have said no. Please bear it in mind. If Abraham said no, God will have to wait again for another person. That's what he will do. If that next person says no, he will wait for somebody else. Listen, Mary could have said no 
to God that he doesn't want to, she didn't want to carry Jesus Christ. That's just possible. That's what, that's the concept of free will. In the same manner, Judas could have refused to betray Jesus. Now, but the point we must bear in mind, it is not the point of betrayal that we start refusing. Judas had to make sure that he was not a thief. We prepare ourselves. Now, but my emphasis is this, we can refuse to do something. God leaves that for us. That's why he gives a commandment. He will come to Adam. Look at this garden. You can eat anything. This tree, you shouldn't eat of it. Now, this is my instruction. You must not eat of it. Why didn't he first it round? Why did he not put an electric buzzer around it? So that once it goes near, you touch it. Adam is shocked. That way, you don't need to eat. Are you getting my There's nothing. You don't need to tell me not to eat. Once I touch it, are you getting my point? Why didn't he do that? Why did he not say that once you touch that tree, shocking, you shall be shocked. You will not eat it, yeah? But he didn't do that. What did he do? He left him to eat if he wants to eat. If not chopping, you won't chop, go ahead. But what is my will? My will is that you will not eat it. If you eat it, there are consequences. Please, let's get it. So we can refuse. Abraham could have refused. And if Abraham refused, do you understand? Then God will have to look for somebody else. Now, for those who have accepted, they can also accept halfway. Many people left all. They got to Haran and they never left. Their father died, we saw last time, but they did not go away. Why? They built a, they built a house there. They built a house. And they spent so much time and so much money designing that house. It's their dream house. They won't leave it for anything. And there's one principle in the scriptures. God said that my spirit will not always contend with man. When God tries to persuade you again and again and again and you refuse, he will leave you and your house. And you will stay there. And many people write, they will write stories about people's lives. How to build a house in Haran and never leave. Yes, it's true. We buy books like that. We read it and we'll be quoting it. All right? We'll be quoting things from those books. How to build a house in Haran. Why? Because the house is beautiful. You know, see, this man was a migrant. How migrants succeed when they leave Ur and come to Haran? How do they succeed? And we write books about those things. But Abraham stopped there. We will not know that he disobeyed God. Many people we are celebrating, they do a 30-fold thing. They don't get to a 60-fold level. They do a 60-fold level. But what God wants is for all of us, each individual, to get to the 100-fold level. That's what he wants. But it's not automatic. How do we get to the 100-foot level? That is the real destiny of God. Listen, I said it last time. I just feel like saying it again. The 100-foot, the difference between 60, 30, 60, and 100 is the degree to which pruning was successful in the life of the fellow. Is the degree to which each individual made a consecration to God. It degree, listen, this is how God does it. Let me say something to you. All of us will start at point zero. Now, when I say all of us, all those of us who have accepted to work with him, we will all start at point zero. And we start moving. Let's just say, all of us now, this just to make it clear, all of us will get to one fold. Can I borrow that one? One fold. Then some will like one fold and stop there. Then all of us will keep moving. Some, you know, some have dropped to one, at one fold. That's how we all go down on 30 fold. Then some will stop at 30 fold. Everybody will start moving again, those who refuse to stop, and get to 60-fold. Then some will stop at 60-fold. And people keep on dropping along the line until 100-fold. And very few get to 100-fold. The point is this. How will you get to 100-fold? This is how life is. God is always just when he makes his judgment. The reason why people stop at 60-fold or at 30-fold or at 5-fold is because each time God makes a demand, 
God demands a kind of consecration and they are not willing to do it. Are you getting my point? It is that refusal for that new level of consecration that ends somebody at what? That 30-fold or 60-fold. It is that refusal. Please get the point. When we are talking about perfecting the lost uh, uh, servant, that's what we mean. What God does is that, listen, I'm going to clip this off. Remember what we said last time? God does not prune things that are dead. If it is dead, it's not a pruning. It has to be alive for it to be painful. How many people ever find, have a problem with cutting their nails? Jesus never said to you, if, you nail, if your nail offends you, cut it off. <laughs> are you getting my point? What's the big deal about nails? Nails are dead. So that's why they didn't use it. You will cut it off gladly. What did he use if your eye causes you to offend? That one is painful. If it's your hand, that one is painful. These are things that are alive. When we're talking about pruning, they are things that are living. Now, but they are the reasons. Those things are the reasons why a, a, a child of God will not live 30-fold and approach to 60. They are the reasons why the fellow will get to 60 and get stuck there and not go beyond 60. You know, just before I came here this evening, my wife and I were, not, were talking about it. She saw me watching a video this morning. Actually, I... I forgot how I got into this anyway, but, you know, I mean, I stumbled into it. There's a man, a pastor in America. I think his name is Franz, uh, is it Frank Chan or Francis Chan? He wrote a book, um, Crazy Love. What's his name? Is it Frank Chan or Francis Chan? Eh? Francis Chan. Okay. Now, he wrote a book, Crazy Love. He started a church, I think in California. By, he said they were 30 when they started. In one, in two months, they were a hundred. In a short while, they were over a thousand. The church was growing seriously. They became one of America's mega churches. And then one day he came to church and resigned. I'm not doing again. Did you hear what I said? He said, I'm not doing again. Now, please, I want you to listen to this story well. I, I, I stumbled into it just yesterday. He said, I'm not doing again. I don't want to pastor a church. Now, please, don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. Whatever I didn't say, don't say I said it, all right? <laughs> now, what he said is that this is not what the church is supposed to be. And that he wants to do what churches are supposed to be. So he left, now listen to this. He left a church that there were thousands. He started it. And he decided to go and do, um, well, he started something like house fellowships. And many of them, he wanted each church to be small. And then plenty, so that people can get to know each other and all of that. Now, this, let, let me not sit on, let me not sit on the thing that he, he started. But why he left is, is, is what I, I mean, the principle of living and what that implies. Now, he wrote a book, Crazy Love, and the book sold, I think, over a million copies. Which in those countries, you know, the way they, the, the way they are, it's not, it's not Pastor Banky's books now. Are you getting my point? <laughs> so a million copies, that's, you've made a few million dollars. Okay? So you know what he did? He gave away all the money. He gave out all the money. The book is still selling. Say, I don't want the money again. He created a kind of, you know, trust fund, foundation, and they should be paying all the money to it. They use the money to do outreaches and all of that. That he doesn't want to cover from it. What was his reason? He said the more he got into these things, the more he realized he was being drawn away from true Christianity. 
He said, I will get to a place. They told me to a star. He said, the church is big. The church is big. He said, but I found I was just a superstar in that church. Everybody gathers on Sunday to come and watch me perform. He said, thank you very much. I'm not interested in performing for anybody. He said, what shook him was one day he gave, he baptized a gangster. The man was a gangster, a gang member. And the man left the church or backslid or something. So when he investigated what happened, the young man said, I did not know Christianity was a Sunday, Sunday thing. That in the gang, it was a daily life. I became a Christian. Now you people told me to come on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So this Christianity is Sunday, Sunday. It's not worth it. The man got tired and said, eh, this is what we are bridging this America. He said, I'm not doing it again. He came to church and resigned. The church is still there. He left. If you want to be doing church like that, please continue. When we're talking about pruning, I said, God does not prune things that are dead. I've not read enough about him, but you know, my wife and I were talking about it just before I came this evening. That's why I'm referring to it. Can you believe that? Now, this is what I told my wife. I said, listen, listen to what's going on. I said, this is a problem. For many of us, that is a sign of success. You have a congregation that's normally like 10,000. That's the sign of success. When you are coming out, protocol will guide you from the platform to your car. And then, you know, in our minds, that is success. Now, it may not be bad. That may actually be tenfold on the pathway of success, as far as God is concerned. That may be twentyfold. That may be thirtyfold. That may be sixtyfold. I don't know. But in that man's life, God said to him, in effect, for you to go to a hundredfold, you have to be willing to walk away from glamour. You must be willing to walk away from disrespect. Today I saw him, you know, <laughs> the video of him I saw, even gave me an idea of how to do our website. We need to do some modification on our website over maybe sometime this year. He gave me an idea. So, I, you know, I keep on looking for fine... You know, when I say anytime I see video recording, I'm watching out. So when this one was about to start playing, I was watching out. After a while, I started laughing. I told my wife, who said our backdrop is not fine? His own was the, I don't know how to describe it. it was, I, just, I don't know I said, this must be somebody's garage. I said, look at the way the sun is shining on him. Oh, this is outside. No wonder. <laughs> I said, okay, maybe one of his house fellowships. All those beautifully arranged platforms you will see, the man walked away from them. Please, I'm not saying they are bad. I'm just saying for him to attain a hundredfold, he had to be pruned of those things. That for many people right now, I'm, I'm explaining why we get stuck at 30, 60. Many times 60 is beautiful. 60 is lovely. At 60, you are papa. At 60-fold, you have thousands of people that call you Papa. At 60-fold, your children, don't worry, their destiny are taken care of. The church has placed them on salary. What, is, what work do they do? They are your children. That's work. So they have enough money. You don't have to worry about them. You know, the other day I heard that there are churches that the children and grandchildren of the founding father are still being paid. I said, is it a company you people started? Do you understand that? Maybe a hundred years from now, I can lose children. I've drawn a salary from Kingdom World Ministries. 
And they don't even walk in kingdom word. Sixtyfold. Sixtyfold sometimes adds so many beautiful things to our lives that when God says, oh yeah, let's move, you will consider it and say, Lord, a bird in hand. It's what, if this one bird is like this, why do I want to? You know, God, see, he doesn't get angry. You must understand God the way he is. That kind of thing. He's not angry with it. He's not going to kill somebody. But your destiny is capped. The fullness of his inheritance you will never see. The extent to which you are attached to material things or to the current success. I withdraw the word material things. Let's not misunderstand it. Because this man that I'm telling you about, it wasn't material things really. The extent to which you are attached to the current success, that is the extent to which you put yourself at risk of not, of not reaching a hundredfold. I'm not finished reading about that man, but the little I read about you. My wife said God has all kinds of children. And that's a matter of fact. Some of them are tenfold children. Some are twentyfold children. Some are sixtyfold children. Some are hundredfold children. And hundredfold children, listen to me, let me just tell you, as a matter of fact, they are not always popular. If, if we take Paul as our sign of hundredfold, you know the truth? Most of us don't want a hundredfold. Let's be honest. It's easy to preach about it. When you see what they call hundredfold, you say, is that what you mean? Now, nah, let's, this thirtyfold is good. You know, I've, I've recently about, I've read my Bible, all right, a bit. And sometimes when I see the kind of things that Paul called ministry. <laughs> I said, these days, we are not even near 0.5 fold. Because Paul wanted to prove that he's a true apostle. The only things he gave as proof was suffering. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, who has suffered like me? If you know you're a true apostle, oh yeah, come and show me that you are true. So you sit down, oh yeah. The man did not brag on how many souls have been saved, which is a good bragging point. Even he mentioned, you've seen the signs of an apostle. Signs and wonders happened, but when he wanted to brag that he was an apostle, you know what he did? No, I, I think we should read it. No, because you see, <laughs> if we don't read these things, hmm? if we don't, that is, <laughs> let's see what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, again, I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do, receive me even as foolish. He was talking about, you know, some people had come bragging about, okay, if we back up so we can get it in context, verse 12. He said, what am I doing? He said, but what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may be cut off, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as, he, just as we are in the matter about which we are boasting. Boast, please notice the boast. For it says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, distinguishing themselves as apostles of Christ. Now, for time's sake, now go to verse 16. Again, I say, Let no one think me foolish. For if you do, he said, But if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I may, I also may boast a little. What am I saying? I am not saying. As the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting, 
Since many boast according to the flesh, that is, according to what we can see, I will also boast. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. Now, again, let me jump again to verse 21. 22. This is the boasting. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if I'm insane. I am also. How did he prove he was a servant of Christ? In far more labors. In far more imprisonments. Beating times without number. This man wants to prove he's a servant of Christ too. Beating times without number. Often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys. In dangers from rivers. Dangers from robbers. Dangers from my countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles. Dangers in the city. Dangers in the wilderness. Dangers on the sea. Dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. That is all these ones I have done eh? It's just nonsense boasting. If I really want to boast, <laughs> you get my point. But this is the point I want to make. A man wants to boast about apostleship. Did you see how he boasted? He didn't boast of anything that he had personally attained. What he did was to boast of the sufferings he suffered for Christ. I told you, if you see a hundred, listen, even me, me and you, we see a hundredfold. Okay, I won't say no. I'll run to where Jesus too ran to. Garden, go and pray. Say now, Jesus, say yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. Time to fulfill your destiny. You open the door, say, yeah, let me now see the people waiting to receive the word. As you come out to fulfill your destiny, you see a cross. What did you say? You will climb that cross. You won't climb it easy. They will first beat you from here till you get to where the cross is. That's what you call fulfilling my destiny. I prefer the other one. Alabaster box. Let them be breaking it. <laughs> that one is good. I like it when I go to the house of Lazarus. Everybody knows I'm the one that raised him from the dead. The whole town gathers to come and see Lazarus. I hope you know that was 60-fold. When, Je- no, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that was 60-fold. Something like that. Because Lazarus was the greatest of the miracles. John G. Lake analyzed at the time that the miracles of Jesus were progressive. The first person he raised from the dead just died. As soon as he died, the little girl, they were still arguing, is she sleeping or is she dead? Then he came and said, no, she's only sleeping. They started laughing. The next one he raised from the dead had been dead since morning. They wanted to bury him at night. They pulled him back into life. Then finally one day, he mentioned Lazarus was dead and properly dead. There are different kinds of dying. 
There's one which you die, we're not sure you are dead. This one says, let's wait. Those days, medicine has advanced now, but those early days, the number one proof, the incontrovertible proof of death was decomposition. So Jesus said, me too, I know. I studied medicine before I came here. So he said, let him start decaying first. When he arrived, the sister testified, by now, there will be an odor. The man is already decaying. Jesus said, good. Now we have attained, we have attained a level. And I got the Father, I thank you. Because you hear me. And in fact, I know you hear me always. I'm only saying this because of those who have gathered and they are listening. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead showed up at the door. And they had to unbind him. He was bound at the time he arrived there. The words were so powerful, 60-fold. After that, ah, <laughs> everywhere he went, the glory was so great. Not only did they want to see him, they wanted to see Lazarus. Because Lazarus still will sit down there. That was the trophy of ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. Who says we are not apostles? The guy was dead for four days. And the father now said, oh yeah, next level of ministry. What was the next level of ministry? All the people that were following you, we scatter. Next level of ministry. See this, you know, Okemote, Israel, Felix, Oh, I forgot to mention Mrs. Banky. All of them will deny you. <laughs> all of them. You will have to say, all of you may have left me, but I'm not alone. My father is with me. No, there are confessions you make. We know things are bad. <laughs> but now you are saying that I'm not alone. The father is with me. Obviously, we can't see anybody else around you. No, like I always say humorously, when David said, my enemies don't rejoice over me, because when I fall, I shall rise again. No man standing says that. These are songs you sing from the floor. As you're on the floor and they put one leg on top of your head. You're telling you, don't rejoice over me. I was so light. <laughs> if you were up, you don't say some things. You are the one rejoicing over people. Why should you be singing some songs? That is, <laughs> they said to Jesus, that's the next level of ministry. That's all. No, 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 that's not all. Denial is phase one. Being alone is part of phase one. What's the next level? Slapping. Wearing of crown of thorns. And then finally, nailing to the cross until every drop of blood in your body has dropped. We have to squeeze you dry, empty you properly. So you will die very slowly. It's on record that crucifixion is the most painful form of death ever invented for man. You die from many things. The pain alone can kill some people, but you know go die. Dehydration. Ah. Hey. Then actually, literally, the people they suffocate. You say, how do they suffocate? You don't realize that your arms are necessary for breathing. So when they stretch their arms out, you can take air in easily. Push it out, war. So essentially the only way you breathe is to keep stretching yourself up and down. Those things have nails in them, the feet. When they want to kill the man who's been crucified, when they want the dead to be quick, they break his legs. Two things kill him. He starts bleeding into the broken legs. And then secondly, he can't lift himself to exhale again. 
And Jesus saw it, that it was going to happen. And that was supposed to be the next level of ministry. Let me be honest with you. If you two see hundredfold, you will run to the garden. That's what I mean when I say that. We don't, <laughs> it's easy to preach hundredfold. To live it is a different story. When Paul wanted to brag on, the, on what ministry, that is, he wanted to prove, he said, are these servants of Christ? Me, self. I know I sound like a madman, but I want to say I'm even more a servant of Christ. Shall I prove it to you? Said I counting. I've been beaten many times. Imprisonment, dangers of death, dangers on the road, dangers at home, dangers from my brethren, dangers from false brethren, from Gentiles, from Jews, from, you know, from too many travels. Now, so this, this one I'm making. I'm saying that, so, the reason why many people stay at different levels is because the next level is expensive. The next level is difficult. The next level takes pain, you know, the ability to be a pain. It inflicts pain when it's starting. It puts you in danger. Your life is at risk. Why do you want to take the chance? You'd rather stay where you are, 30-fold. After all, most people don't get to 30-fold. That's what happens. Why do you want to leave? You're on 60-fold. Most people don't get to 60-fold. I can say boldly, most people will celebrate. Now, I'm not pointing at anybody. I don't know anybody's life. Most people don't get to a hundred. They don't get beyond 30. Most of the people will celebrate, we make noise about them. They don't get beyond that level. I'm not saying nobody has ever gotten beyond that level. I'm just saying most people will celebrate. Because the things that human beings celebrate are lightly esteemed with God. That is a matter of fact. They are lightly esteemed. This man I was telling you about, the man just looked at it and said, what are they turning me to? I like one thing he said. He said, when we're on campus those days, we love the Lord. That this one, they are turning me to a celebrity. The man deliberately rejected the celebrity thing. He wrote a book just to write a book. He wanted to just write. I've not read the book. I, I intend to read it. And the books are just selling. Selling left, right. Ah, he became a millionaire. He said, this is risky. So he gathered the whole money and said, please take. I don't want the book is still selling. People are still you know, contributing money to buy it. To buy it. But that every money you pay is used for missions. It's used for advancing the gospel. It's used for helping the poor. You don't want to say, no. If I take it, I won't be normal. John G. Lake is a man I love so much. You've heard me talk about him a lot of times. Business-wise, he was successful. Business-wise, he was successful. He had plenty of money. They said they were to convert what they had those days to modern day, he was a millionaire. He was working in insurance business. He had risen to the top of the insurance business, you no know, heading, you know, big insurance companies. But he was called to ministry. So one day he went to see his chairman and he said, Look, I think I don't understand that. Many times I see somebody I should do business with. What I'm seeing is the condition of his soul. I'm not checking the condition of his pocket. I'm seeing the condition of his soul. So that instead of spending time doing business, I'm spending time preaching. That is becoming a problem. So he went and told the man that, please, I think I need, some, I need a leave. So the man said, no problem. Take as long as you want. 
Then you come back. Then he increased, I don't know whether he doubled his salary, but increased it significantly. He said that amount of money would not allow you to be remembering all this. I want to go and preach. I want to go and preach. So he thanked the man, walked away, and never came back. He intended to come back too. But as soon as he left, from one meeting to another, they began to preach. They began to preach, began to see signs and wonders. They wanted the Holy Spirit spoke to him clearly. Get ready. You are going to Africa. You know what he did? He sold, literally, literal. He sold all that he had and gave it out. Listen. <laughs> the progression on people's lives defile. Joseph, you know the way it went. He finally ended up in, on the throne in Egypt. I know that's the part of which we like. We like that one. Say to your neighbor, throne, I'm coming. Get ready for me. Something is about to happen. Get ready. I may be down today. I'm coming up tomorrow. And all of us, whoo, I mean, it's exciting. Who doesn't want that? I mean, uh, well, we think there's one direction. From the pit to the palace. We forget that Joseph was not the greatest of those men. The one who came right after him, a few hundred years after, Moses, far greater than him. To, to today, one of the problems Christianity has amongst Jews is that Christians claim that Jesus is greater than Moses. And the Jews can't understand. How can he be greater than Moses? When I see Islam sometimes, and I see Judaism, they are the same thing. Just think a few names, the same thing. You know the way Muslims fight over, you mention the name of their prophets, you don't mention. That's, Jews are very angry. You insult Moses. What's wrong with you? That Moses, I'm talking about how great he was. You know how he got to the hundredfold? He was settled in a palace. Being settled in that palace, the man rose up, cut off all the, you know, the glamour, the wealth, the riches, and went and joined himself to slaves. That was the way he began to move towards his hundredfold. While he was amongst the slaves, he went to visit his brethren, of course. If his people don't understand, they say, look, you see, let me say something to you quickly again. Don't use human wisdom to plan for God. I've seen people tell me things like, you know, God, if I get this job now, I'll have enough money to sponsor the gospel. There are people that didn't say sponsor the gospel, they said preach it. You know, many people are giving aggressively. Do you know why? They know they are not supposed to be pre- sponsoring. They are supposed to be preaching. So they have to keep the conscience down. So every time there's a crusade, they'll give 10 million. You know why? So they can say to God, no, not to God, God knows uh, to themselves, it's good. Where I am is good. We are using it to preach the gospel. There are many Christians who have, you know, they have taken the name of the Lord in vain and for a vain thing in politics. And you know the way they explain things to themselves. Anytime they come to church, they donate. They are still, you know, thieves, crooks, criminals. But they won't miss service on Sunday. And pastor always knows when they come because the, the, the money, the offering that day, if regularly offering is 50,000, that day to be 450, only that fellow will bring 400. And someone will be lying to him that when we get to heaven, the souls that we saved will take them along. So my money is saving souls for me. Let me just tell you, in case you have not heard it before, 
Nobody gets to heaven counting souls for anybody. God, <laughs> you go with the souls you save for the Lord. Wait, show me one scripture. Let me tell you the scripture that is right. Naked, you came. Naked, you will go back. You don't carry souls. God doesn't count souls. Why will he count souls? He doesn't. You know why? You can't save any soul. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Poor plants, Apollo's waters, God gives the increase. So each man is rewarded according to his labor. The effort he put in in fulfilling what God told him to do. Not the effect. Because if it was effect, Isaiah wouldn't get nothing. Because he said, I've spent my strength for nothing and for vanity. Everybody should like, look, don't count any results you see on the earth. They are not your own. Only God can judge you. And he judges either faithful, as faithful, or as unfaithful. Many people are there. They will refuse what God wants them to do. And they want to be counting souls because they gave a million towards the crusade. John G. Lake. No, but, but let me finish the story of uh, Moses. Moses left. He was willing to suffer with his slaves. And guess what? And to die with them. The time he killed that man. And when the news spread. When the Jews went out that he did. You know what did he do? He ran. But you know, when we don't read the Bible completely. We think Moses ran because he was afraid. But go and read what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. That Moses ran. Not, it says it no, clearly, not because he was afraid of Pharaoh. So why did he run? The Bible says by faith. The fear of Pharaoh didn't move him. Let me tell you what Moses was like. He stood on one spot and dared Pharaoh to come. Let's talk about him man to man. I killed the man so. Do you know why I killed him? That was the attitude of Moses. Then an angel appeared to him. said, thus says the Lord, get out of here. I don't want you to die now. Pharaoh is coming. He wasn't afraid. Please, for time's sake, we can't read it, but you can't, what I've told you now is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. So he went into the wilderness. This is what I'm making. Even with the slaves, that was removed from him again. You know what was removed from Moses? Human strength. Human pride. He was so sure I would do something for these people. And God said, no. You know what God wanted from Moses? Kill his flesh. Kill his pride. Kill his ability to do anything for me. Kill it. I don't know about hundredfold. <laughs> that was his own next level. It's interesting because he didn't do anything. Forty years he laid low in the wilderness. Finally he returned. You know the rest of the story. And listen to me. Moses lived in tents from the time he left that palace from the time he left Egypt the first time he lived in tents till he died and sometimes you watch the stories of what the world those days used to be like the way they tell us the story when you read some of our no, no. but I, when I see some of those things I watch them on TV I said no you guys don't know how that world that time was you think men that time were living primitive. They may not have had cars and computers, but believe me, 
they had comfort in life. They knew how to get cold water. They knew how to get it. When I was in secondary school, my teacher said Solomon had electricity, and I laughed. That's, uh, that's carrying it too far. Until one day I was watching a program on TV, and they were discussing archaeology, and they showed some things they unearthed, I think, in Egypt, or one of those parts of the world anyway. And the man showed a clay jar that had a copper cylinder and had a rod in the center of it, and said, this fits only one thing. I was in secondary school. I was, you no, know, I think I, by that time I was in late secondary school or I left secondary school. But I did science, you understand? So I knew physics. As soon as I saw it, before he said, I said, this is an electric cell. And the man said, this only one thing fits this, an electric cell. Then instantly I remembered what my BK teacher said. It was not our BK teacher. He used to teach history, but he was a Christian. So occasionally we've been where he's teaching the Bible. That's all he, when he said it, that Solomon had electricity. And I'm like, sir, don't carry it that far. Then one day I saw it. I said, so I don't know whether it had, but at least now I'm sure it's not so preposterous anymore. It's cause, I mean, it's a possibility. So I'm going to say something here. You don't know how Moses was living. The Egypt that Moses lived in, the things they achieved till today, men have not yet fully understood. How they build the pyramids. And the pyramids you see now, they are worn out. Well, the way they were originally. You say you could see the glory of them from outer space. Once I was checking, no, I was reading, somebody described the alignment to what they call the true north. Those of you who did geography and you know stuff like that, you will understand what I'm talking about. Most, the rest of us may not. So alignment to the true north. They showed that the modern scientific observatory in Greenwich was not as accurate as a pyramid in Egypt. When they measured it, in alignment, if the other one went off by 0.3 degrees, the Egyptian went off by only by 0.1 degrees. That was where Moses was living. Don't let anybody go and watch a prince of Egypt. You think that's how they were jumping on sand? Those guys were civilized. Moses left them to get his hundredfold. He lived in tents the rest of his life. So, it, it, so you can understand why people don't like hundredfold. Moses moved, stayed in the wilderness. There was no going anywhere. Listen, let me tell you something again. This life is very temporary. It's a short one. There's nothing on it worth pursuing. You have to pursue things that have to do with what? Eternity. So no matter what you want to fling in front of my nose, once I can't understand how it fulfills the cause of eternity in my life, you see, there's a, you know, there's a cause of eternity in every, you know, all over the place, save souls and all of that. But in my own life, John G. Lake threw away all his money and moved to South Africa for him to step to another level of ministry. I don't want to use the word ministry now. For another level of divine fulfillment. Why we do the word ministry is that so that you don't think it's only preachers that do such things. It's only preachers. Each time you want to move to another level, it's called what? Pruning. I began to talk about destiny last time. 
Destiny happens automatically. If at each time God comes to prune and change things, you make the right choice. And don't ever forget, Satan is not foolish. He never tempts you with something that's not sweet. You know, I said doubt. Let's define doubt again. Doubt is that reasonable explanation you have for why the word of God or the call of God can wait. And listen, when good people want to disobey God, they don't fight God, though. You know what they tell him? I'm coming. What do I mean? I will follow you. Let me first, let me first go and bury my father. And once it's a first thing, once it is first, and God is no longer first, the fellow has been capped on his 15-fold. They will never say to the Lord, no, we're not, we're not obeying you. We're not going to preach this gospel. They just say, I will preach it too. But first, let me build a house of my own. It's not good to enter into ministry and then still be looking for money for rent. Very reasonable, right? Hey, I'm saying many things. Be careful where you go for counsel. If I'm able to advise you, look for the mad Christians. The good ones are very bad. Those very reasonable Christians who have an ordered life. They are not good counselors. They help you to maintain twofold, threefold. Why risk it? Anybody that would, not, that would advise you not to take risk is not of God. Concerning your work with God is not of God. Why take a risk? Are you not okay the way you are? He wants to live there and go somewhere else. Do you know what is waiting for you there? Once you hear that kind of counsel, just leave it. It's not God. You know, I was reviewing one of our books, which will be out next month. We're, we're done now. We're going to press this week, this coming week. You know, that was when I had to make some correction. I was going through it. That was when, if you follow me on Twitter, that's when I tweeted something I said last week. That when Satan wants to confuse you, hmm? no, we've talked about that before. Satan is a good friend. You know, Satan is a friend. If you look at it from the physical level, is never an adversary on the physical level. Whatever is a friend, anytime he comes, he always looks out for your good. Always. That's the law of Satan. Why don't you eat of that fruit? Madam, are you not hungry? Well, it meant Eve. Eve was hungry. Walking a great distance to go and eat. So say, why are you? You look tired. Yes, I'm really hungry. I want to go and eat. So I'm walking. So, ah, where are you walking that far? Look at fruit here. I can't eat that one. Why? Has God really said you can't eat of any tree in the garden? No, he didn't see any tree. It's just this one that's close by. Why not? You want to walk this great distance to go and get food? When there's one close by, he said, the day we eat that one, we will die. We're not even supposed to touch it. You will die. <laughs> You will not surely die. Okay, okay, you will die. What are you doing right now? It's not dying, you are dying. Listen, you will not die. I've eaten it before. Look, the day you eat. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You are not going to die. Then why God is saying, if, if we, are, we will not die? Now, you must understand what the Bible tells, give accounts. Here is a summary. And that's, I'm amplifying it, and I believe is something like what I'm saying that really happened. So as I'm, I'm putting the sentences that were quoted here and there, I'm, I'm putting flesh to it, making it bigger. 
Because that's how, if you don't understand that, you won't know why, you know, such a conversation will happen. He says, okay, how will God say we shouldn't eat it if we're not going to die? He said, he has something else up. He knows the day you eat it, that day you'll become like God. You'll be as wise as he is. You will know good and you will know evil. You will be like God. Now, let's not go into the analysis of what exactly that means. But the point is this. This guy told this woman how to take care of herself. Satan is always watching out for your good. In quotes, in quotes, in quotes. Anytime Satan wants to tempt, his temptation is always good. It's reasonable. But there's one catch. How we, and next point before I talk about how reasonable and how good Satan always is, most of the time he's a friend too. And I said that earlier. And I said he's a friend. But this time I mean it is that he's somebody you recognize. When Satan wants to tempt, when I wanted to tempt Jesus, he came different ways. There was a time Jesus identified him for us. But many times, how will he come? He comes as James. James, the one that wrote the book of James. You know, he's the brother of Jesus. You understand? And he's not the one that's the brother of um, uh, John. Uh -huh. That one was killed very early. This was the brother of Jesus. He did not believe when Jesus was alive. <laughs> he didn't believe. Okay? He came with James and his siblings. He came in Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's how he comes. And what did they come to do? You are besides yourself. Come and rest. Everybody is following you. They came to take him out of ministry. They came and told him, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. He said, who is my brother? Who is my mother? He said, the fellow who is doing the will of who is paying attention to the word of God and doing that word, doing his will. The same is my brother. The same is my sister. The same is my mother. I hope you are getting the point. Those are the people that said were his no, close relatives. Now, why did he do that? He recognized that it was not those normal, this was not Mary and James and Co that were talking. It was Satan that had possessed them and they did not know. The time he identified him directly for us was Peter. What did Peter say? That's when I was opening up here. Matthew chapter 18. Don't bother opening to it because we all know the story. I want to save time. From verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. This shall never happen to you. They will take you and kill you. Why? Why we are still alive? We'll pray against it. In the name of Jesus. Nothing even. <laughs> that was the attitude. Now, let me ask you a question. Was, is that not a good thing? But you know what Jesus said? Next line. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind. Listen to this, that is the test. For you are not setting your mind on the interest of God, but your mind is set on the interest of man. That's what he said there. He said, You are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Anytime somebody is counseling you for your own interest, the fellow is helping you stay on that spot and not go beyond 30-fold to 60-fold and not go beyond 60-fold to 100. 
If somebody wants to counsel you and the counsel does not say anything about the plan of God, obedience to God, advancement of the kingdom of God, it's not Christian counsel. I don't care how sound it is. Once it is not focused on this that I have said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, once it is focused, that's why when I hear people talk, listen, I say it all the time. Let's say it clearly. Let's tell us the truth. Should a Christian go abroad? The answer cannot be yes or no until we answer why. Once it is the interest of man, the answer is no. It is satanic counsel. Once you are being counseled, and the primary thing is, you two need to build a house. You need to need to marry. I mean, if you read the book, Don't Quit the Army, I told the story there of a young woman. I heard true story. One of the brethren who I referred to in the book was the one that told the story directly in a meeting where I was. A young nurse on fire for the Lord got a job in a village and they were paying her small. The salary was not much. But while there, the anointing of God came upon her. She began a Bible study. People around began to come. This house Bible study began to grow. Ah, The brothers heard, so they were taking turns helping her. So the Bible study became a church. And she suffered persecution. Because I heard the story that the wife of the DPO in that area was coming to the Bible study. And whatever she was learning there was causing trouble at home. So the DPO had her arrested. Men had to wield their influence to override, to override that abuse of authority. I hope you're getting my point. There's only one problem. The salary was not good. Let me tell you the truth. Anytime Satan wants to tempt, he has to look for what appears good to use to drag you away from what does not appear good to the ordinary eyes. Money is the same old way he's been tempting for a very long time. He doesn't have too many tricks. You will earn more. That's why the story we're telling about Saturday just now, I, I, for me, is a matter of laughter. Of course, we just laugh about it. I knew, they were, I knew I could earn ten times if I went to certain places long ago. It's not today. Yeah, it's not today. I mean, God, I'm not saying I'm too big to be tempted. I'm just trying to say that this is not, if this is a temptation to me now, eh? I will go and pray. I'm backsliding. Why? Because these are things we overcame long ago. This young woman, what happened to her? The money was small. And she was single. And it's difficult to find a good, you know, well-packaged husband in the village. Most well-packaged husbands are in the city. I'm giving you human counsel now. That's not godly counsel. What I've said now is human satanic talk. I'm just trying to tell you how it sounds. Before you go and quote me. People have quoted me before wrongly. Pastor Parker said a good husband cannot be found in the village and the city. And the person is not, in quotes, lying. just took me totally out of context. It's like telling you Judas hung himself. Go and do likewise. Is it not the word of God? <laughs> so just, they quote me wrongly. Now, what am I going to say here? The young woman, they pressured her. When the temptation was going to intensify, you know what happened? She was working for a mission. 
They said they could no longer sustain her salary. Maybe the money people were paying there was not enough. So they said she should go or unless she's willing to take half pay. Let me just let you know, when you see things like that, just know it's temptation from Satan. Tell them I don't want salary again. I will be farming kokoyam and... <laughs> I'm amazed at the back of my house. But the brothers came together and said, no, let's do something. They, they levied themselves and said, whatever reduction you are going to experience will make it up. But let's make long story short. The pressures of the family, all right, became too great. Look at you. You're not getting younger. I'm trying to emphasize thou, that is, you are not minding the things of God, but the things of what? Man. That's always what they do. Look at you. You're not getting younger. At your age. Story, 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 story. After words, she fell for the pressure. She resigned from the village where she was working and moved back to the city. The interest of God, the church died. There was nobody to take it up. A few years later, you know what happened? She also died. Before that, she felt she got married. Oh, she got married. She got a job. A few years later, she was dead. Let me not go into the stories of how she died, but she literally died. We word of faith people, we like to say Satan killed her. Me, I don't know who killed her. All I know is that whether you were killed by Satan or killed by God, you are still dead. So let's, let's forget this argument of, was it God? Okay, She took herself away from the protection of God and then Satan and I had the right to touch her. Thank you. She's still dead. Some will say, no, God said, no, I'm removing her lampstand. Mm-hmm, she's still dead. I am convinced. Let me tell you something about God. Jesus said something. There's nobody that, have, that, that left father, mother, houses, land, whatever it is, that will not get a hundredfold of that, even in this life. Many of the things that we are, you know, there are times that maybe I have a need, I think I have a need. I'll just be laughing to myself. I said, God, now, wow. The way you do things, yeah, funny. <laughs> we are looking for a hundred million naira. And you know, Bolat Nubu has it. <laughs> You know, you spend money like this now, but thank God. Also, why didn't you just tell them that we are here? <laughs> no, you're just, you know, I, I joke to my, with myself once in a while. But for me, I guess this is, money is not God's problem. He has something else he's doing. Many of us are clamoring for when he wants to give it, and he will embarrass you. He will make you feel bad. When God wants to do his strong thing, eh? I've told you the story of where, where we used to be, you know, our former, you know, uh, office, Kingdom World office, when it was time to pay rent one day, and we didn't have the money, and really, I didn't, personally, if I had it, I would have paid it. I mean, that's how we lived. I would have paid it. Kingdom World didn't have it. Pastor Banky didn't have it. Ah, that day where I was going up, and I remember that day, I was climbing the steps, I still remember where I used to live that time. I was climbing the staircase, and then I stopped, because a thought dropped in my mind. What was the thought, Banky? It looks like you are worried. If God sends this money tomorrow, how much was less than 200,000 naira? You look back now, you start laughing at yourself. If God sends this money tomorrow, how will you feel? I remember I said to myself, I'll feel very terrible. Why? Because I will be angry 
with myself that why was I worrying? He said, in that case, stop worrying today. Right there on the staircase, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. What do you call worry? Thinking about it all the time. I said, stop worrying. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, thank God I did it that day. Do you know why? Within the next 24, 48 hours, the Lord actually sent the money. And he did not send 200,000 we needed. He sent 800,000 naira. A brother called me. Actually, he sent a million. A brother called me and said, I, I will just send some money to the ministry. I said, eh, okay, God bless you. He had promised us 40,000. So God, God bless you. I thought, when I get there, I will find 40,000 naira. Make a long story short. What did I find? It was one million naira. He sent 800,000 to Kingdom of Ministries and sent me 200,000 naira to my personal account. You know, you know why I rejoiced? That, you know, I, the Holy Spirit said, let me just warn you so that you won't feel bad tomorrow. I don't know whether you're getting my point. There are things that you call temptation now against serving God. When he does it, Lord, thank you. We didn't disobey you. No, we almost did. Child, let's not lie. You know, you'll be embarrassed. That young woman died for nothing. As far as I'm concerned, she died for nothing. When I say died for nothing, what was she doing? Go and get a husband. Go and get a job. Now she's dead, except that the church has closed. What is it? Go and get a husband. Go and get a job. And the woman died. I know the interesting thing. You know what killed her? The marriage. It was the marriage that killed her. Would it not have been better to be alive and be in the village? And let me tell you how God does things. God can wake a man up, get up, go, go to so and so village. You will meet a woman there, pastoring a small church. I want you to marry her. See, let me tell you the truth. Eh? Most of the time we want to marry, we see, we smile, we go and pray. There are people that didn't have that opportunity. God just woke them up. Fred, yes, my lord. Come. Come out. See that girl going there. Go and push her and marry her. Say, Lord, why? Because nobody will. Why? She no, no, I'm serious. Because she was a prostitute until last year when she gave her life to Christ. And all the men are talking about her. You, that's the person you are going to marry. And what I've told you, it has happened to people before. Don't, I'm not giving you theory. Not read your Bible. It happened in the Bible. I'm telling you real life. When Derek Prince married his wife that was 25 years older than him, it was not out of love. It was while praying, the Lord said to him, I have joined you together under the same yoke, under the same harness. The woman had young girls. They were his daughters. She, her daughters she adopted. So she, he kept on coming. So they all thought he was chasing the oldest of the girls. Because he was a young soldier, I think in his 20s or early 30s. And this girl was like the age of 20. So, no, think about it now. The natural thing is that he's chasing the young girl. So all of the, when the mother told them she wanted to marry, who? Derek? They call, listen, they called him by his first name all his life. Because they knew him before he married their mother. You're marrying who? Derek. That small boy. But God gave him to her for his own reason. And don't think it was enduring how. Till he died, anytime he mentions her name, he cries. 
Because he died long before he did. Like more than 20 years. In fact, she remarried, he remarried about two years after she died, two or three years after. Go and read that. I, 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 of course, I'm, this book I refer to all the time. The Happiest People on Earth. Demos Shakarian's business was losing money. He went to pray, said, God, what is going on? In the next few weeks, I'll be wiped out entirely. And the Holy Spirit spoke up to him. You are doing a business I never asked you to do in the first place. Why not? Is it bad business? No, it takes time. There are many things I don't do. It takes time. And God said to him, I have not given you to the business world with that amount of time in your hands. You have a work to do. Say, okay, Lord, what do I do? I'm about to be wiped out. Say, don't worry. I will send somebody to buy off a dying business. And one man was sleeping. Suddenly he woke up. And he had an impression on him. Call Demos and buy his mailing business. Why should I call him and buy a useless business? Let's make a long story short. He called Demos Akarian. He called, his father picked the call that Demos is not at home. Get in touch with him. Please, I need to discuss his business. I have this urge to buy it. <laughs> hey. They called Demos. Demos said, I'm busy. His father couldn't understand. You are busy doing what? You are about to be wiped out of business. Said, tell him to wait. Let's make a long story short. When they finally struck the deal, you know what the man told him? Please, can I get some sleep now? That is, until he bought that business, he had not been sleeping. Every night he lies down, the Holy Spirit won't let him relax. I told you buy Demos' business. He said, but he's not agreeing to sell. He said he's preaching somewhere. So many of the things we are running up and down looking for. God can command, instruct them to come to us. And he does that. Not, like, not only can he, but he regularly does it. What he just wants for people to relax. A young woman died literally for nothing. For a husband and a job. This is how you know you are listening to sound counsel. First thing in front of your mind, are you listening to me, is the interest of God. If you can't find how this will serve the purpose of God, especially in line with what you know is his calling for your life. I don't mean, Pastor, you're not going to look for business to do. Say, if I have business, it will support the ministry. That order is not, I've never seen it being right. If you say, if I have business, I will eat. It's even, it's even different. That's even more acceptable than to say it will support the ministry. If you need money for the ministry, pray. Lord, listen, listen. I give God the glory. I thank you for what he's doing in the kingdom world ministries. Do you understand? But you know, from the beginning, I'm talking about money now. From the beginning, one prayer, I don't know how I learned it, but the Holy Spirit, I believe. One prayer I learned very early is pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into the harvest field. The Lord has sent me and his spirit. I learned those things very early. So when I was praying for kingdom world ministries, I pray God sent financial laborers into the harvest field. The early days, my wife and I brought out 95% of all the money that Kingdom World Ministry spent. Right now, we only give out to Kingdom World Ministries out of discipline. You know, like the discipline. We just say, Abba. 
It's only your money that will not enter. Because whether we put, we don't put, it makes no difference. But of course, you now I was saying the other time when we moved in, moving here, this, of course, this is a better hall, isn't it? But moving over here cost us a lot of money. Plenty of it. I only announced it, okay, our last meetings, so that I said people should be responsible. Not because we are in need. Not owing anybody. Not because we are in need. I just, I look, you know, like Bishop Oedipo would say those days, how can a good thing be happening and your name is not there? If you are with us on the old, on the old site and then you are here now, say, wow, this is nice. Don't, don't, come on, be responsible. Say, ah, this is what we are doing. You understand? Make sure that we is genuine, not a fake we. Because some people are, we are, we are in kingdom world ministries. They don't remember you, they don't give, they don't do any, don't pray, they're we. That's what they call Jaguda we. It's a criminal we. <laughs> Those early days, that's something I learned very early. I pray, that is, it was constant. I prayed the Lord of the harvest to send financial laborers into the harvest field. I used to say to the Lord, I said, God, I, wait, I want you to bless me financially. Amen. But please, I'm not asking for that so as to sponsor kingdom work. Because if I have to, how do I know I was called? No, those were my prayers. I said, Lord, I want, look, Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12. I read it long before kingdom work ministry started. And I believed it. But I said to the Lord directly, no, please, don't give me money so I can be paying Kingdom World Ministries bills. I said, how on earth will I know I was called? I will go out, sweat, sweat, sweat. You understand? Sell recharge card. Sell um, uh, Gary. Sell this one. Then pack the money. In fact, anybody who comes to that meeting can never be blessed unless he's poor. In fact, if you were rich before, you become poor as you are good. No, operating that ministry like that? No, you can never be rich. The, the auction is wrong. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. You can't be rich. You can't be. We'll be a congregation of poor people with that kind of mindset. Totally wrong. So, listen. So, when I explain that, you know, when, when you want to give advice, you know, I know what I'm talking about. So, if you're a preacher, be careful. Be very, very careful the kind of advice you give yourself. But whatever choice you have to make in life, make sure it is advancing what? The kingdom. The first thing that must matter to you is what the Bible calls, what Jesus called the interest of God. Many of those interests of God, you will see where people are gathering money in the millions, you can't go there. You can't go there. Today, I read one of our emails today, it was exciting. It was exciting. I think it was a young man, I don't think it was a young man that wrote. Ah, if I knew, I would have copied it, I wanted to read it. He said, sir, I want to thank God for your life. He said, I don't worry like I used to worry anymore. I don't talk like I used to talk. <laughs> Are you getting my point? I don't talk like that anymore. I'm not afraid like I was afraid. I don't, I'm not, I don't think negatively of Nigeria. As I, he listed like five or six things that he does not do anymore. And I said, this is ministry. That's like, that was like $10 million. Are you getting my point? That was like $10 million dashed to me. Was it yesterday or today? Why? That's what they call the interest of God. If anything will not advance the interest of God, don't come and fool me and say I should watch out for my interest. It is forbidden. In fact, David Pawson said it's an insult that you are insulting the Lord when you talk as if he does not think about you. <laughs> I've heard people say things that are just like, do you really believe in God or you don't believe that he's listening to you? 
that the person said is libel. You are libeling God when you worry because you are saying he cares more for the animals than he cares for you. It's like my children looking and say that, leave it to, all of us can go hungry, but this dog must eat. We have a dog in my house. You know, if my children say that, you know there's a problem. They report that that's what we do to God when we worry. That we are saying that he cares more for the animals, the birds of the air, than he cares for his children. Because Jesus said, if he takes care of the birds of the air, how much more will they take care of you? He said, the problem is your faith is too little. How did I get into all of this? Trying to explain what? Hundredfold. You know the truth? I've not gotten to the... Well, the thing I wanted to say... <laughs> So, but this is good. The Lord is good. I've been emphasizing why we stay at 30-fold. Why we stay at 60-fold. Why we don't get to a 100-fold. Let me define 100-fold again so I can close. A 100-fold is that that God is doing. That is everything he wrote about your life will have been fulfilled. That's a 100-fold. A 100-fold is when God has fulfilled all the promises he made concerning your life. A hundredfold is when his grace has been poured on you that everything you were supposed to produce in your generation, you've produced it. A hundredfold is not the cars you bought, the houses you built, the countries you visited. A hundredfold is a full manifestation of the plan of God. A hundredfold is when God's purpose prospers completely by your hands. That is a hundredfold. That is a hundredfold. That is a hundredfold. Listen. For God to get us there, that's what we're discussing. He prunes. What did I say? He prunes. Let me say it again. Pruning is removing things that are otherwise living. They are alive. It's something, when you prune, you deliberately kill. A man is never said to, go and, to have gone to prune his hair. You don't go to a farm to prune the weeds. Have you ever gone to say, man, where are you? I'm pruning my weeds. You don't prune dead leaves. Of a tree, they drop off. What do you prune? The ones that are living, but they are not producing the right fruit. What do you prune? The things that look alive, but they are not productive. They are not fulfilling the purpose of God. That's what you prune. That's what you prune. And what we're talking about is the interest of God, not our interest. Let me refer to this verse of scripture and then I can close. The one we read just now. We read it earlier. Just want to get back to it. I like to let Christians fear. People say, don't scare Christians. You have to. If Christians are not afraid, they're not doing well. <laughs> the Lord is good. They must have the right fear. That's what matters. And what am I bringing forth again? The fear of judgment. The fear of the day God will say, everybody come and give account. I want you to know that that day is coming. Now we've defined what hundredfold is. Remember, when Jesus was giving us a parable, Master, your mina has made ten months. He said, well done, good and faithful slave. Now you be in charge of ten cities. In this life, we are preparing for what God will use us to do in eternity. And for me, it gets scary that many times, <laughs> and I think about it, that it means we will be frozen permanently at a particular level. In life, please, Always make sure you are giving up something. Look, 
Each year, eh? Or let me say year. Each season of your life. Just ask, what have I cut off recently? Sometimes you cut off television. There are people that need to cut off Facebook. You know, I keep on saying, pastors be careful. Pastors talk too much. On Facebook. Post your messages there and go away. It's not everything they say you respond to. The Bible says in the multitude of words, there will be transgression. These days, be careful of what is social media has a huge plus and a bigger minus. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. Please, don't post anything on social media. Don't. Don't even post your own photo. Leave it. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but enough for posting. Mm. Because one thing that has been posted, they're out of your control. Post a verse of scripture, smile and write Jesus is Lord on your teeth and post that one. Knowing that if you die for it, at least you die for righteousness sake. Sometimes they pass, I think they talk too much on Facebook. You pass comment on everything. They don't reduce results in River State, you are passing comment. <laughs> they don't, I mean, so go to election was closed, you pass a comment. What are you looking for? I use Mark Zuckerberg. Those are the days of Facebook. They say, ah, ah, go to Facebook, go to Facebook. Some of you here harass me that I should join Facebook. I joined though. After I stayed there for a few days, I felt naked. As if people are peeping at me when I'm going to the toilet. I wanted to close it. That was when Thor Reverend he said I should leave it, that he'll manage it. So if you see our Facebook account, the only thing you find is post of sermons. And programs, that's all. If you like abuse me, there will be no response. He said, Pastor, you see your black face, nobody will answer you. He said, Pastor, you are very handsome, you won't get a reply. He said, Pastor, we are planning to kill you, we will not answer you. Pastor, I want to send you one million dollars, you won't get any answer. There is nothing. If you want an answer, you call us. You send an email. But me, sit down on Facebook and be playing with you. I'm not saying Facebook is 100% bad. I'm just saying be careful. What did I say? <clears throat> Post your sermons and leave the place. Every time in your life, you must be pruning something. Because advancement from one level to another is based upon pruning. Once you are attached to Jesus Christ, fruit bearing is automatic. That's what he said. Once you are attached to him, he said, abide in me. Once you are abiding in him, fruit bearing is automatic. How do you abide in him when his words are constantly being fed into you? Fruit bearing is automatic. The only reason why you won't bear fruit is when you have not been pruned. That is something that has not left your life. It's still there. Until Terah died, Abraham couldn't move from Haran. Until Lot left Abraham, God couldn't speak to Abraham. Until Ishmael left his life, there was a, num- a, there was a level he could not step into. Pruning is not always physical. Sometimes it's your, it's your ambition. When I saw that man, <laughs> when I saw that uh, Pastor Chan, is it Frank, 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 Francis Chan? When I read the story, I, I laughed. When I say I laugh now, I laugh like Isaac. I'm happy things like this are happening. This man walked away from ministry palace and walked into the wilderness. People will say, ah, what, does he have to go? He chose to leave. 
And he gave his reason. In fact, okay, what happened was I stumbled into an article about it. He gave a lecture at, on Facebook campus to Facebook employees on why, I don't know who arranged that, but on why he left his mega church. Because we're like, ah, how can you leave it? Mega church is the aim. There are seminars on how to mega church your ministry. I mean, I've been to church growth seminars before. When having a one million man church was the ultimate. When Young Gicho was an idol. Sometimes when I see that old man that they sent him to prison, I say it's our fault. He didn't go to jail physically. He just on record as an ex-convict. After sending him to jail, he should go home. Out of respect, thank God for If it's America, you know Americans don't care. They put him in prison. South Koreans, they respect him so much. They say he should go home. Go and serve your jail sentence in your sitting room. When I say some of those, I say it's our fault. We turned the poor old man to an idol. Church grew to be, you know, one million man church to the aim of life. I was so happy to see a man who picked up and walked away from it. Why? He said, why do I have to be a celebrity? When they call motivational speaker, I say, if you call motivational speaker, warn yourself. Don't turn me to a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. This man said they were turning him to a celebrity. He said, okay, she is money. Take the money I don't want to get. Can't I say, just save my Jesus in peace? If you go and check my, our program, I stop putting pictures. If you see my picture in any program, no poster, they did not ask my opinion. I said, put my name. Those who know me, they will come. I always find it funny. This is my own. There's nothing wrong with this one. This is just my own. And I see pastors posing and smiling like this with their wife. I just look at I'll just be looking. And like I said, it's just me. I'm not saying it is bad. Okay, but here and his wife can do that too. I'm not saying it is bad. But anytime I see it, I say, what do you, what do you think you are? <laughs> One day I went to Buttercourt. I saw all the faces on billboards. I said, lie, lie. From now on, my video. <laughs> That is, I said, no, 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 don't put my face on anything again. Don't put my face. I don't want trouble for my soul. I said, me, I know they do. Like I said, that's just me. That's not, that's not good. It's not bad. It's just a thing. Just I, I, I reacted. I reacted. But I said, nobody's making me a celebrity. God, don't let me like it. One of the things you prune, like I said, is what? Ambition. Like I said to my wife today, I said, many of us, do you know the truth? Why is it that we fall for some temptations? I'll tell you the reason. It is because some things we are openly rejecting, deep inside our hearts, we admire those things. Some of us, like where we are right now, we appear like, because we have not had the opportunity to become like some other people. The day we see the opportunity, what is really deep inside our hearts will show up. So when I talk about pruning, those are the things we prune. What is really deep inside your heart? Are, that is why, look, there are those that every time you see now, you see people go, passing with fine, fine motor. Ah, God, one day. Ah, God, oh. Ah, Lord, oh. <laughs> There are times God just says, that, stop liking it. Stop liking it. He said, prune that last year. Ah, I would do anything for a G-Wagon. But this year, do you know I don't care anymore? And you know the truth? One day God will bring a G-Wagon for you. Say, drive it for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, you will hate it. Say, what was inside this thing? That's what we're talking about pruning. 
the only way you go towards your destiny is you're constantly dropping things that are holding your destiny back. Remember, one day, ah, one day you will stand before the Lord Jesus. Two books will be opened. We read that just now. One book, it's not a book of your sins, so the blood of Jesus handles that for Christians. For you, is the fulfillment. One book will be percentage. The second book will be 100%. What I mean by the 100% was written before you were born. Books were opened. What are the books open? The books written before you were born. Your name will be on it boldly. You see it. Ufoma. Bankiolushino. And you see a long write-up of what we are supposed to do on the earth. A second book will be opened. And you will see a long write-up on what you actually did. The two of them will be compared. That is when they measure the percentage. Whether it is 30-fold, 60-fold. Some people, as they are multiplying like that, you are heading towards 100%. All of us. But some people stop at 10%. God says, what? Okay, keep on there, gate man, eternity. Next. It's true. Some say this one, we judge angels. Be in charge of five universes. You know, that's how it begins to rearrange it. I don't know exactly what it's going to make us do, but one day we will stand before the judgment throne of Christ. And I suspect those that come having produced nothing, he say, what are you doing here? Join him with those who are outside. Let's bow down here to pray. Let's bow down heads. Let's say to him, Lord, help me so I will be faithful. Say to him, Lord, help me. Help me so that I will be faithful. Help me, Lord. Say, Lord, help me. You have heard words today. Say, Lord, help me. I'll just leave you to pray for a minute because as I was speaking, the Lord was speaking to you. Each person was hearing something. As I was speaking, each person was hearing something. Say, Lord, help me. All right, you're blessed. Give me an amen. amen. That blessing will not depart from you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Goodness and mercy will go with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Favor will go with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Not one shred of your destiny will be missing in Jesus' name. Amen. God will prune you, but with mercy. He will give you grace first before the pruning happens. Amen. So that when you are walking to the pruning of the Lord, you will be smiling. Amen. You will be delighted in doing his will. Amen. This is the word of the Lord concerning you. I delight to do thy will. Thy law is within my heart. That is your experience in Jesus' name. Amen. That word is for you. You will delight in doing the will of God. Amen. And his law will be permanently in your heart. Amen. Favor is your portion this coming week. Amen. If you travel, you will